Amgoblue.com. By fans, for fans. Since 1999. Hi, I'm with Mike Rosenberg from the Detroit Free Press, author of a great new book on Bo and Woody. We're here, we're going to talk to him about it. So, Mike, what led you to take on two topics of such great stature and people who so much has been written about already? Well, that was one of my concerns for the first few months of working on this, was that so much had been written about uh, Woody and Bo. Uh, but when I started working on this book, which is War as They Knew It, Woody Hayes, Bo Schembechler, an American, A Time of Unrest, little things kind of were interesting to me. The fact that Woody visited troops in Vietnam four times, the fact that he was friends with Nixon, the fact that Ford visited practice for U of M, the fact that Ann Arbor was not really a big football town in 1969 when Bo got here, those were kind of little nuggets that had been out there, and I thought maybe there was a bigger picture thing that I could get more in-depth with these two guys than anyone had done before. And the more I researched, you know, after five months, six months, eight months, a year, you know, a dozen interviews, two dozen, four dozen, a hundred interviews, I started to realize I was completing the picture here, and there was more there that I realized was there. And, and some of these things were little quirks initially, and I, I felt like I was able to, to put them together into a complete picture. How did you go about separating the men from the myths that have surrounded? Because these guys are legends in Columbus and Ann Arbor. So how did you go about separating you know, the stories that have grown up from what you could actually confirm? Well, that was one of the most difficult parts of the whole book. And one thing I put in, in the uh, acknowledgments is that story about Woody going for two, and he said he did it because he couldn't go for three. I found no evidence that he ever said that. Now, that doesn't mean he didn't. It doesn't mean that he didn't say it to some alumni function, Bo heard and told his players. But it was not written about the next day, and it was not written about it leading up to the 1969 game. So uh, there's a lot of a lot of things like that, that that I either couldn't confirm, or I just didn't quite believe, or I found out were just not true. Uh, but there was 300 some pages of stuff that I could confirm, and that's what's in the book. So, what do you think was the most surprising thing that you found out about about these guys that you didn't expect heading in? Well, Woody. He's a fascinating figure, and, and one of the things that I really hope this book does is kind of rescue him from caricature. I feel like in the last 30 years, outside of the state of Ohio, he's just this wacko football coach who lost it and hit this guy. Uh, he was much, much more complicated than that, and much more complicated than really any other coach I've written about. I didn't realize when I started it that the arc of his career over this 10-year period was so interesting. That meltdown was, was several years in the making. I think if you read the book, you'll see that. The thing I didn't understand about Bo was he was all football when he got there. Uh, I think in the, in the 1980s, which is the Bo a lot of people remember, certainly the Bo that I remembered when I started working on the book, he, was, he would voice political opinions. He was sort of the dean of college football, the statesman. The first five, six, seven years of his career, really until he became friends with, with President Ford, uh, it was just all football. I mean, if they talked politics in, in that staff room, he was pretty quiet because he didn't have a lot to say. Well, you know, it's interesting that you say that because... I have quite an extensive library in Bo, and you'll read auto, even some of his autobiographies conflict with each other, you know, from the very earliest work, and it's kind of interesting to, to see as things move forward. So how's the reception been from the respective fans toward you know, them finding out that you were digging into this? Uh, well, from the fans, we're just starting to hear. Obviously, the book is just coming out. Uh, the critical reception has been, been very positive, which has been nice. Uh, one thing I can say from the respective players on each side, Almost everybody was great about talking to me. There were a couple of people that didn't want to talk, which was fine. But for those that were hesitant at all, what I said was, look, my viewpoint on these two guys is going to be formed largely by the people that interacted with them. So just tell me what you think. Tell me what happened. Tell me the stories, the good and the bad. And you just have to trust that after I talk to 150, 200 people, the picture is going to be accurate. 
And if you love the guy, then that's the picture that picture's going to come through. Other people will probably love the guy too, not necessarily everybody, but a lot of people. Um, and once I said that, everybody was great. And, and I really think, you know, nobody's perfect. And, I, and I'm not building up a mythology about either Bo or Woody. Uh, but I do think with both of them, people will, will have an admiration and appreciation of who they were uh, as three-dimensional characters by the end of the book. And, and, and no disrespect to other books out there, but I think a lot of times these guys can be two-dimensional, and I wanted them to be three-dimensional. It's interesting that you say that because, you know, with Rich Rodriguez coming in here, you know, coaches get so much more scrutiny now, and you hear the good, you hear the bad, and, and from the fan side, people want to, it seems like a lot of people want to, you know, either demonize them or say everything they do is right. And, and you're right, everybody's, everybody's a real person, everybody has some flaws, everybody has some positive things, and that's what I wanted to get at with your books, because these guys, you know, are, are chiseled into the, the respective mountains in their, in, their, in their respective states. And it's even interesting, because I know, you know, Bo always talked with great admiration of Woody, but there were a couple times where Woody even, you know, they even got cross-threaded a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you don't compete against each other for 10 years and literally think about it for hours every day beating this other guy and have no friction. I mean, that, that's just not the case. But it, it was always respectful. There was always an undercurrent of respect, I think. And um, as for them being flawed, I mean, there's no doubt that, 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 you know, everybody's flawed. I'm flawed and you're flawed. But So if you're looking for a flawless picture of these guys, you're not going to find it. If you're looking for a complete picture of, of two true legends, I think you will find it. Now, you talked about uh, a, a mythical event that didn't happen. Can you talk about some of the events that you that you looked into that actually did happen? Specifically, uh, I read that Woody didn't actually didn't want to buy gas in Michigan. Yeah, that's that's true that he did not want to buy gas in Michigan. And uh, Ed Furkney was the assistant coach at the time, and um, he he'd been there I think like two months. It's in the book. Uh, he'd been there two months, and Woody never recruited in Michigan. And that's one of those indications that, that his feelings about the state were genuine, that it wasn't all play, that he just he never recruited. I mean, he thought he thought he would literally get kicked out of the state when he crossed the border. So he went up, and he was really welcomed, which surprised him, and it was a great night. And Ferguson's thinking, well, you know, this is kind of thawed. I mean, he's starting to see Michigan's just another state. It's part of the United States. It's okay. And as they're driving, it's, it's, a, it's a snowy night, and Woody never let the driver have the radio on, and they're driving... And Ferkney says, they're in these downriver towns. He says, we got to stop for gas. Woody says, keep going. And he says, we got to stop for gas. And he says, keep going. And he says, coach, we really got to stop for gas. And Woody, I'm not going to repeat word for word. It's in the book, the expletives. But he said, we don't buy, you know, a cent. Uh, we don't spend a dime on, on, on gas in the state of Michigan. And they crossed and turned off at Alexis Road, which is the first stop on I-75 in Ohio, and, and got gas and then went back sort of to their, their home base in Columbus. But that is a 100% true story. Uh, I, I sat down with Ed Ferkin in Florida. He was the guy who was there. Now, you mentioned that uh, Bo's political interests really came about later in his career. Was Woody apolitical, or did he always take an interest in things? I don't think Woody was even born apolitical. <laughs> he was a political guy from the beginning. In, in uh, one of the early scenes of the book, in 1968, uh, they played Purdue, which was probably the, the toughest, definitely the toughest regular season game of the year until they played USC and O.J. Simpson in the Rose Bowl for the national championship. And Purdue had waxed Ohio State the year before. And at halftime, he has uh, General Lewis Walt talk to the team. I mean, this was this was a normal thing for Woody. He had generals in and out. He, he met uh, Nixon on the plane back from the Rose Bowl in the 50s, and he was lifelong friends with him from there. Uh, that was big for him. He really elevated football. He thought that, that it was appropriate that the coach of the Ohio State University football team should be friends with the president. 
he should be friends with generals. He should have views on all these things. And uh, there were protests on, on the Oval on campus. Woody spoke to the students. Uh, that, that's a huge thing. And, and one thing you'll see in the book is as the country changed, that really graded on Woody. I mean, you talk about the game passing a coach by. That happened with Woody, but the world was passing him by. And I think that was the toughest thing for him to handle. Do you think that led to some of his frustrations that he had? I have zero doubt about that. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's really in-depth in the book. I think people will see that. All right. Well, thanks, Mike. I really appreciate you taking time. My pleasure. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. UMGoBlue.com is in no way affiliated with the University of Michigan. Copyright 2008. UMGoBlue.com. All rights reserved.